Uh, in his 2007 State of the Union address, President George Bush told the American public that we must remember that the best health care decisions are not made by government and insurance companies, but by patients and their doctors. Yet when it comes to medical marijuana, it seems that bureaucrats know what's best. Well, now as the DEA continues to raid cannabis providers throughout California, a new voice seems to have chimed in on the debate over the use of medical marijuana and that is the voice of veterans. Here to talk about all of this and so much more is Dan Bernath. He is the Assistant Director of Communications for the Marijuana Policy Project. It's the nation's largest marijuana policy reform organization with 23,000 members and 100,000 email subscribers. The Marijuana Policy Project believes the best way to minimize the harm associated with marijuana is to regulate it in a manner similar to alcohol, and uh, Dan joins us. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How is the, uh, how is the weather out there in D.C.? You know, we're having an Indian summer. It's, uh, 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 it's still pretty warm out here, so uh, almost like California. Well, that, uh, that sounds nice. I was in, uh, well, I was in D.C. in January for, for a protest, and I was only flying in for one day, and I did not dress appropriately, so I uh, I certainly love the the warmer weather, but uh, that has very little to do with uh, marijuana or the marijuana policy project. So why don't we uh, begin by letting our listeners know, uh, just to set the record straight, what are the uh, medical benefits or the potential medical benefits of uh, marijuana use? Well, uh, uh, over the last 10 years, a great deal of research has been done on, on medical marijuana. We, we now know that it is a very safe and effective drug uh, for treating uh, a lot of symptoms uh, related to very serious illnesses, including cancer, uh, multiple sclerosis, HIV, AIDS, uh, anxiety, uh, and, and, and more are coming, too. We, we really knew, do need to be doing more research on this, but, but the results are in, and it's, it's a fairly settled debate in the medical community. You know, when when playing uh, Peter Tosh or Max Romeo or any of the the roots or, or reggae songs that uh, that seem to to celebrate uh, marijuana, a lot of uh, Americans I don't think realize that it it really is and and has been historically a a cultural practice, and that uh, suggesting, of course, that there there have long been. Um, I don't want to use the word mainstream, but uh, let's just say legitimate uses other than simply uh, getting high. It's, it's really no different. And, and not that there's anything wrong with simply wanting to get high. I mean, there are, uh, there's an entire industry designed to uh, simply go out on the weekends and, and get drunk. So I don't know, when did marijuana become this, this demon drug while uh, alcohol and tobacco are acceptable? Well, you're right. The, the idea of, of prohibiting marijuana, or especially for medical purposes, is a pretty modern concept. Uh, in the 30s, actually almost exactly 70 years ago uh, this summer, uh, it was made essentially illegal. And, and, and the story around it is shameful. Uh, there were a number of zealots uh, who tweaked people's uh, racial insecurities uh, and, and, and those kinds of things uh, in congressional hearings. Uh, um, 
so-called experts said that marijuana would make the black man think that he was as good as the white man and would cause white women uh, to want to have sex with uh, minorities. Just just ridiculous stuff, but this is the cloud uh, that marijuana has, has been under uh, in, in the 20th and 21st century in this country. No pun intended, of course. <laughs> Sorry, that's <laughs> too obvious. Um, yeah, it's, you know, and it seems like this is in a long line of... Uh, government attempts to uh, to demonize or criminalize uh, the practices of other cultures. I mean, it's no coincidence that at the time of Prohibition, uh, the Irish were one of the dominant immigrant groups, and uh, certainly there was a fear when Chinese were um, emigrating to the United States, San Francisco, and, and elsewhere, you know, the, the whole concern over opium dens and, and, and so forth. Um, so... To what extent do you think the continued ban on marijuana is is linked to issues of uh, race and ethnicity or, or the fear of race and ethnicity? Well, I, I think that a bad policy born uh, under racism, you know, c- continues that way. It's not as overt. However, uh, marijuana prohibition vastly disproportionately affects minorities, poor people, disenfranchised, uh, and, and that makes sense. It, it, you know, it started as a racist policy, and it continues to be. I'd also like to point out that, that when it was made illegal, uh, marijuana use was, was virtually unheard of in this country. And, and today, after uh, aggressively going after marijuana users, uh, the FBI just released the, the newest totals. Uh, we arrested 829,627 marijuana users uh, last year. Almost 90% of those, it was just for simple possession, not dealing, not manufacturing. Uh, um, and yet, we have 100 million people in this country who have used marijuana. We have 15 million uh, using it uh, every month. Under marijuana prohibition, marijuana use has exploded. Uh, that's a failed policy. I want to remind listeners they're in tune to KUCI in Irvine. This is Justice or Justice. We're talking about medical marijuana. We're speaking with Dan Bernath from the uh, marijuana uh, policy uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Marijuana Policy Project, correct? Right. And uh, we're talking about medical marijuana. Just out of curiosity, what are the numbers? I don't know if you have recent numbers. What are the numbers uh, in terms of public opinion on uh, the criminalization or the regulation of uh, marijuana or specifically medical marijuana? Uh, medical marijuana is, is actually an incredibly popular uh, issue a- among Americans. Um, two years ago, a uh, poll was done across the country. Almost 80% of Americans across the board supported the legal use of medical marijuana with a doctor's recommendation. Uh, it's, it's, it's our politicians, our, our political leaders who are lagging behind public opinion on this one. In California, of course, in, in 1996, voters passed Proposition 215, uh, also known as the Compassionate Use Act, and it, uh, it really has put the issue onto the national landscape for the, the past, uh, I guess, going on 11 or 12 years, uh, where the federal government is at odds with uh, you know, one of the biggest states in the union, if not one of the most populous states, um, can you talk a bit, I don't know how much you know about Proposition 215, but can sure. you talk, talk what you know about that proposition? 
Well, uh, sure. Uh, since California passed its uh, uh, Prop 215 in 1996, uh, 11 more states have followed suit. Uh, California was definitely a pioneer uh, in, in, in medical marijuana policy, and uh, in, in other states have had the benefit of uh, California's experience. Um, as we know, federal government, uh, federal law enforcement is becoming more and more involved in the state uh, state's affairs, uh, raiding marijuana dispensaries uh, that are operating legally, that are operating responsibly, that are operating with the support of the local communities and the local governments. Uh, so we, we see that, that, that there's still this tension, but uh, uh, California really pioneered medical marijuana policy. And at the same time, there is this, uh, you know, it's very interesting when one takes a look at the debate over uh, medical marijuana, when you have Californians uh, overwhelmingly supporting access to, to medical marijuana, uh, particularly during the Bush administration with, uh, with Ashcroft and then certainly through Gonzalez, you have a situation where uh, there's this ongoing debate about uh, whether states should have rights to decide for themselves or whether the federal government should have rights to decide for themselves. And uh, it, it's very interesting when one takes a look at the abortion debate. For example, I believe it was South Dakota um, that passed uh, one of the toughest bans on abortion. And uh, the courts tried to step in and say, you can't do that. And uh, all the conservatives were saying states' rights, states' rights, states' rights. But when it comes to an issue like medical marijuana or gay marriage, suddenly the uh, debate over states' rights versus federal rights seems to, seems to shift. The, yeah, and, and, and you're right. The, the argument against medical marijuana, uh, the debate is, is tainted by, by dishonesty, uh, inconsistent values. The truth is, is, is that, that we're dealing with bad guys. When we're talking about uh, the drugs are, when we're, when we're talking about you know, the, the, uh, the, the folks who would, who would lock up sick people who are using medicine, uh, people who, who consider that a moral principle, uh, this are, the, the, the debate over medical marijuana should have been over a long time ago, except that we have to continue to re refute lies. Well, let's just make sure we, we do it one last time to, uh, to make sure that there, there isn't any doubt. What are some of the specific illnesses uh, that medical marijuana can help uh, alleviate? I'll simply start off by, by pointing out that uh, years ago, I remember I was still in, in uh, I just started high school and my mother uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer and went through uh, chemo and radiation therapy and uh, the doctor recommended uh, marijuana to help with with chemotherapy, so we know that that's one of the uh, one of the major uses of uh, marijuana for medicinal purposes. What are some of the others? Well, let me tell you what the National Academy of Sciences uh, Institute of Medicine uh, said in 1999, and this was in a White House commissioned uh, report on medical marijuana. Uh, they said that nausea, appetite loss, pain, and anxiety are all afflictions of wasting and all can be mitigated by marijuana. That was in 1999. We've done a great deal of research since, but that's what the White House's own report was telling them about medical marijuana, and yet here we are eight years later still legal under federal law. And, uh, you know, it, again, it seems that we shouldn't have to, I mean, what difference does it make? You know, we know that alcohol 
hardly has any medicinal uses and it's acceptable. We know that tobacco has no medicinal uses and it's, uh, it's acceptable. We know that, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest terrorists out there, not to, to use the word, uh, so, so freely, but, uh, I mean, Ronald McDonald, forget Osama bin Laden, Ronald McDonald, your chances of dying of heart disease is uh, far greater than uh, your chances of uh, being uh, the victim of a terrorist attack. And Osama bin Laden isn't targeting our children directly, whereas Ronald McDonald is. So, yeah, it, it seems so silly that we have to continue to have this debate. But let's face it, Dan, aren't you just a left-wing hippie? I mean, isn't that what this is all about? Uh, we we take that uh, argument uh, a lot from people. Uh, the, the the truth is is that we're not in um, marijuana is not a liberal or a conservative issue either. We're talking about drug policy, and 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 folks in in both parties and across the political spectrum tend to agree that drug policy ought to be about harm reduction. Uh, so really, this is just a cold look at the numbers. We see that arrests have gone through the roof. We see that it has wasted uh, billions of taxpayer dollars. There's a conservative issue for you. And we see that the results are, are abysmal. Uh, marijuana use rates are near as high as they've ever been in history. Um, we see that we can no longer afford to put nonviolent criminals into our, our prisons, and yet we continue to do it. Uh, and as you were talking about before, we even encroach on states' rights issues here. Uh, any good principled conservative ought to be uh, in favor of personal choice, personal freedom, and, and, and the rights of states to, to, to make these kinds of policies for themselves. So no, I, I really don't see this as a liberal issue at all. Well, you know, and it's it's certainly not. And I think, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, when you want to reach out to conservatives, it always has to come down to dollars and cents. But I think that when you focus on, you know, exactly how much money this is costing uh, in terms of uh, law enforcement, prosecution and incarceration, it's just it's just abysmal. Uh, one of the, the things that I always find find funny is uh, when I debate issues of, of med- uh, marijuana or or really any um, narcotics with uh, some of my conservative friends, uh, I always ask them who their favorite rock and roll bands are or their favorite jazz musicians and they're you know invariably Coltrane or you know the Stones or uh, you know Pink Floyd or any of these people and I try to point out to them that they wouldn't even have that that artwork that that you know wonderful music were it not for the very things that they're now condemning so I always find that uh, a fun little irony there but Nevertheless, um, well, talk about, if you can, some of the, uh, the raids, whether it's in California or elsewhere. In, in what ways has the federal government been cracking down on medical marijuana? And is this unique to the Bush administration, or did this begin actually in the Clinton administration? Um, I would say that it's certainly gotten worse, and, it, and it's certainly gotten worse in the last uh, year. It, uh, we're seeing the federal government, federal law enforcement get involved uh, in states that have already passed medical marijuana laws uh, in, in ways that we've never seen before. And, and to be honest, I, I think it's desperation. Um, 
the federal government's losing this debate. They're losing it in the public. Uh, they're losing it in the state legislatures. And they're starting even to lose it in Congress. And so I think that we're seeing more militant, more oppressive tactics uh, coming from the DEA, coming from the federal government. And I, I think that it's, it's going to backfire. I think that all they're really doing is, is arousing uh, uh, public disapproval. And what happens during these raids? What uh, are the the medical dis- distributors? Are they they closed down permanently? What happens to the people who uh, who are arrested? Do you, do you have access to that information? Well, uh, a, a lot of that still isn't settled yet. You know, nobody really knows how this campaign that that the DEA is carrying out. Nobody really knows how it's it's going to play out. However. Uh, the federal government insists that they don't target patients, that they don't target uh, the, these sorts of things, but we, we see that that's clearly not true. Um, what happens in these raids is that uh, paramilitary uh, law enforcement officials with dogs, with Kevlar helmets, with automatic weapons, with helicopters come into these dispensaries and uh, they raid them as, as if uh, there was some kind of violent movement going on. I, I'll tell you, if I was a law enforcement official, that would be a pretty relaxing day's work. And just reading from a press release uh, sent out yesterday, in fact, uh, from the Marijuana Policy Project, uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration is raiding uh, the River City Patient Center uh, yeah. in here in California. That's in Sacramento. It's the longest established medical medical marijuana dispensary in the city. Uh, there were protesters gathering outside, and uh, earlier in the week, the DEA began threatening landlords in the Santa Barbara area who lease space to medical marijuana dispensaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were threatened with federal prison time, forfeiture of their properties, and uh, I suppose other slaps on the wrist. Uh, the Los Angeles Times has uh, opined that uh, this is a deplorable new bullying tactic. And, uh, yeah, it seems, it seems very odd that uh, the tactics of the DEA are akin to uh, the kinds of things that you see when you've got uh, gang members uh, camped out in a, in a fortress with a stockpile of weapons and, and so forth. And uh, it's unfortunate. Well, uh, we're speaking with Dan Bernath from the Marijuana Policy Project, and now it seems that uh, there's a new voice that has entered the debate over access to ma- medical marijuana, and that's the voice of veterans. So tell our listeners, how did this uh, this new uh, voice emerge? Well, um, th- there's actually a, a veteran named Marty Chilcutt who uh, has been interested for a long time in helping veterans uh, get access to medical marijuana. Um, it, it's, a, it's a cause that's important to me, too. I, I'm an Air Force veteran myself. And so he uh, got a group going called uh, Veterans for Medical Marijuana Access. Uh, MPP has had the uh, fortune of being able to help uh, provide money and startup funds uh, for this very new organization that just started this summer. But uh, veterans face some very unique uh, issues and, and they're going to grow, too. I mean, we have a new subgeneration of veterans who will be permanently disabled and who will face chronic pain issues for the rest of their lives. Um, it's, this is going to be an expensive burden on the country as well as on the individual. And right now, uh, uh, the VA 
which most veterans rely on for their medical care, uh, can disqualify veterans for testing positive for marijuana, even when it's used legally uh, with a doctor's recommendation uh, for legitimate medical purposes. So um, th- this is this is a fight that we have to fight. We have to win it now. Uh, there is growing numbers every day of, of injured veterans who are going to need access to good, safe, non-addictive pain relief. Talk about that, because I think there is this, uh, there's still this myth that uh, marijuana is, is a, a gateway drug. Can you dispel that myth real quickly? Yeah, sure. Um, first of all, uh, marijuana is proven safer and less addictive than alcohol, tobacco. It's less addictive than, than nicotine. Um, the gateway dr- uh, uh, theory is a scare tactic that opponents of medical marijuana and marijuana like to use, but it, it has no basis in fact. Uh, the truth is we know that there is causality, uh, excuse, excuse me, a relationship between marijuana use and, and, and other drugs and, and that sort of thing. But what opponents like to draw is this nice, clean line where a person starts smoking marijuana, then moves on to a, a, a harder drug and then a harder drug and then a harder drug and then becomes uh, addicted to heroin. However, 100 million Americans have tried marijuana before in the past, and about 250,000 Americans are monthly heroin users. We're talking about point. Oh, uh, 0.17% of all people who have ever tried marijuana uh, going on to become addicted to something like heroin, that's not much of a gateway. Well, it's the typical slippery slope argument or the domino effect or, I mean, we, we hear this, if, if it's uh, communism, we, it's called the domino effect. If it's, uh, you know, any kind of uh, decriminalization, it becomes the slippery slope. You know, well, what's next? Heroin and cocaine and so forth. And it's just, it's just so silly. And we could see it so clearly in other issues. And yet, for some reason, I guess when you've got decades of campaigns against uh, marijuana, it becomes harder to, to overcome. Uh, well, we're just about uh, running short on time, but I want to give, uh, make sure that listeners have an opportunity. So Veterans for Medical Marijuana Access is a new organization. So if there are veterans listening, what should they know about uh, Veterans for Medical Marijuana Access? Well, uh, um, first of all, they should check out the website, and it's veteransformedicalmarijuana.org, all one word. Um, and, and, and what I think that, that veterans and those who support veterans ought to keep in mind is that we owe it to these people, you know, regardless of age, to help them get the best possible medical care that they can get and to turn our backs on them for the sake of an outmoded uh, ideology uh, about myths with, with, with marijuana is just ridiculous. Uh, we owe it to them right now to make sure that they are as comfortable and as safe as possible. And this organization received uh, an endorsement from the, uh, the National Veterans for Peace. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I, I believe that is correct. Yeah, I'm reading from the, the website, and uh, certainly listeners of this program are familiar with uh, Veterans for Peace and uh, the kind of work they do. So uh, the website, again, is veteransformedicalmarijuana.org. And uh, can you uh, can we wrap up? Tell us some of the current campaigns that the uh, uh, medic, uh, marijuana policy project is uh, currently uh, involved in. 
You bet. We're actually very busy right now. We are close to passing a medical marijuana law in New York. We really need the New York Senate to take up this bill that's already been passed by the Assembly and to pass this for the sake of sick New Yorkers. I think that in the next year or so, we'll see medical marijuana laws in Michigan. I think we could see one in Illinois. I think that we could see a law in Massachusetts that will make marijuana decriminalized, which essentially means uh, they can still be cited uh, like with a, with, a, with a traffic ticket, basically, but, but won't be arrested or go to jail. Uh, so that's something very exciting for marijuana policy reform activists. And listeners can go to uh, the medical correction. I keep too many M's here. The Marijuana <laughs> Policy Project uh, website, which is www.mpp.org, and there's uh, a whole range of uh, campaigns there. Of uh, looks like you've got uh, uh, radio ads and you've got uh, press releases. You could take a look at a map of the United States. So again, it's the Marijuana Policy Project, www.mpp.org. Dan Bernath, I want to thank you so much for joining us this morning, and we'll have to have you back uh, real soon. Thanks. I look forward to it. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Hi. Uh, are ahead, particularly with the upcoming uh, 2008 election. We'll also take a look at the list, the 40 list that is on the cover of their magazine, looking at the 40 most influential people in the LGBT community. So uh, do tune in next week. That should be uh, quite an interesting discussion, looking at the past and how it influences the present and the future is always quite interesting. And then I'm hoping in the uh, the upcoming weeks to take a look at uh, the city of Newark, a city I lived in for seven years, near and dear to my heart, uh, one of the crime capitals of the nation, and uh, recently the site of some some devastating homicides that listeners are probably familiar with. Uh, at the same time, of course, Newark itself has a history with the race riots of the 1960s. We'll, uh, hopefully, uh, we will have the author of a new book taking a look at the history of the city of Newark and uh, how the, the very design of the city itself has uh, been one that all but guarantees uh, racial tension. It's a book titled Newark, and it is by... Uh, uh, Kevin Mumford, so you'll want to stick around for that. And then also uh, hoping to take a look at unarmed insurrections as we see the, uh, the very, very powerful and emotional uh, peaceful protests taking place in Burma or Myanmar. Uh, we want to take a look at the power of nonviolence as a means of bringing down uh, political regimes. So a lot taking place this quarter on Justice or Just Us. It, uh, it promises to be cool. So, uh, well, I, I hope it promises to be cool. So, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, stick around. We'll be back to uh, wrap things up in just about three minutes and 40 seconds. So 